Welcome to the 21st Century Church podcast. Please check out our website at 21stcenturychurch.co.uk for more information. We'd love to connect with you, so head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Enjoy this message from Assistant Pastor Tyler Davis. Well, would you all jump up to your feet for me for a second? And uh, we, we sit, you know, quite a lot in church, so we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to stretch for a minute. So do you want to stretch as, as high as you can, arms in the air? That's good. And then if you all go to your left... There we go. That's, that's, is that your left? Yeah, that's good. That's your left. And then to the right. That's good. And maybe you want to put your shoulder behind your head, you know, do that stretch. Side. That's good. And then maybe do you want to touch your toes, put your bum in someone's face. That's lovely. There we go. You can take your seats. You feel a bit stretched, got the blood flowing. That's good. Well, I used to be very um, sort of supple growing up. You know, I I loved gymnastics. It was one of the things I enjoyed as a kid. Uh, Not that I lasted very long in the hobby, but, you know. Uh, But, yeah, I used to be quite supple. But since, I think, pregnancy in particular, I'm about as supple as a brick at the minute. Um, So it's something I need to grow in again. But actually, stretching is very important for us. It's important for us physically. But I want to take this one step further today. In Ephesians 3.20, we say it all the time. It's one of the big verses that we love. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him who's able to do immeasurably more. We love that. We say it and we preach it. We declare it. It's awesome. But if you want to be a person who is able to handle the immeasurably more that God has got for you, for your life, for us as a church, it means we have to be increasingly strong and supple to be able to carry what he's got for us. My title or my one key thought for this morning is this. If you don't stretch, you're going to get fragile and not agile. If you don't stretch, you're going to get fragile and not agile. When you tell the person next to you, I'm getting agile. And you can tell them about, well, I thought you looked a bit stretchy today. Because, yeah, <laughs> you're all like, I don't know whether I want to be saying this. <laughs> but we're going to look at a few aspects that we need to be stretching in and committing to the stretch as Christians if we want to be able to handle the immeasurably more that God has got for us. It's a very practical message, and my prayer is that it's going to help release what God has got in your, for you in your life and for us as a church. So my first point is this. Sin makes us fragile. Sanctification makes us agile. Sanctification is just a word for becoming more like Jesus, being sanctified, leaving the life of sin behind. But if we stay in our sin, it makes us fragile. If we go on the journey of sanctification, we get more agile. Once upon a time, I was in the gym. Back in the days, distant memory. And I was quite, you know, I was, I was quite committed. It was before I was married and everything. And uh, Josh was in uni, and so, you know, I was, I was in the gym quite a lot. And, and I was very proud of the fact, I enjoyed my weight training, and I was very proud of the fact that I could squat 100 kilograms. I was very proud of it, I know. Josh could squat 140. I was like, babe, pff, that's only 40 more than me, uh, you know. <laughs> so I, I was very proud of this fact. And so I would go to the gym and, you know, I'd, I'd sort of do the bars, put the weights on and whatever. I was very, you know, go. But anyway, what ended up happening is I ended up giving myself a back injury. And so I went to the physiotherapist to get some help. I was in real pain with my back. And he said, well, what have you been doing? I was like, well, I can squat. 100 kilograms. 
He's like, can you really? Can you squat 100 kilograms properly? <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you mean, Mr. Physio Man? I'm injured for totally unrelated things. Uh, apparently not. And so he got me to like lay down and show my form. And what he was saying is that if you're even slightly out of alignment, any of you who train know this, if you're even slightly out of alignment, you're not actually strengthening your legs in the squat. Actually, you're putting immense pressure on your spine and on your neck and on other parts of your body. And so you end up injuring yourself because you're not squatting properly. Now, sin is kind of like that. Go with me on this. <laughs> you're in a position that is maybe out of of alignment, in a position that is actually unnatural for you. And you may think, God, this is fine. This is all good. It's all okay. I'm doing fine. I'm coping. But actually, you are out of alignment with what God wants for your life. And what is going to end up happening is you're going to injure yourself. And so we often, we think, I can get away with this sin or whatever, but sin will always come with consequences. It will always damage you, whether it has physical consequences or emotional ones or spiritual ones. Sin makes us fragile. It's sanctification that makes us agile. Josh and I made a commitment when we got married. We said, well, scripture tells you, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So we said, okay, this is one of our sort of promises to one another. We're not going to go to bed angry. Any of you in this place made that commitment? Is it, yeah, Rachel saying yes. Anyone broken the commitment? Rich is saying yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. And so Josh and I had an argument. I don't even remember what about. And Josh is terrible at saying sorry first. He's the worst at it. He's really got to work at it. Pray for him. And, uh, you know, so we had this argument, but we're both really stubborn. We're both competitive. We want to win the argument, you know? And so we kind of want to have the last word. We don't apologize. And so when we had this argument, I was like, you're going to apologize? He's like, are you going to apologize? And so we're arguing about it. And I was like, right, well, I'm going to go to bed angry then. <laughs> and so I go to bed angry, willfully knowing I'm breaking the commitment. And then in the morning, you know, you still, you haven't resolved this issue. And he was like, you went to bed angry. I was like, yeah, I know you didn't follow me. <laughs> and so we're arguing about this. But the truth is that every time we ignore the principles of God, every time we willfully sin, we're not making us, ourselves more agile. Actually, I was making our marriage more fragile by not swallowing my pride and dealing with the problem and saying sorry. But if you do it God's way, if you go on the journey of sanctification, you'll become more agile. It'll be good for you. You'll become stronger. You'll become more supple. In Psalm 38, 4 to 5, it says this, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. The psalmist is using very vivid imagery to make the point. Sin is always disastrous. It always has really bad consequences. Ephesians 2 verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Not only does it lead to wounds, it actually leads to death itself. Jesus, very famously in a passage in John 8, there's a woman caught in adultery. And they bring her before Jesus and they say, Jesus, according to the law, shouldn't she be stoned? Now, there's loads you can say about this passage. You can say, well, why didn't they bring the man there? You know, he was guilty as well. You can look at how the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. But actually, the woman had sinned. You can't get around that. She was caught in adultery. It was sin. But Jesus meets her in that place, and he brings grace to her, and he brings some wisdom. He says in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, where, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. If you're here this morning, you think, do you know what? I'm really messing up in this area. 
Jesus does not condemn you. There is grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. There is grace immeasurable, available to us. But all the same, go, leave your life of sin. Stop living out of alignment because it's going to hurt you. It's going to make you fragile and not agile. Uh, the scientists, they once made a decision to have an experiment, and they called it Biosphere 2. And they basically made a miniature of the world. And they wanted to see how plants were going to respond, how, you know, the, sort of all the nature and things that they put in, how it was going to respond to this environment. But they discovered something that they didn't expect. The biggest discovery that they made was that how much nature needed wind to survive. What they found is that the trees were growing quickly, but because they were never exposed to the external pressure of wind, they never learned how to bend. And so they would break under their own weight. They would snap under their own weight, and they discovered how vital wind was for nature. You'll even find it with plants in your home. If you grow plants in your home and they may be doing well, you put them outside and they'll break because they've never learned to be supple. They haven't learned what it is to bend with the wind. If we decide to live a life of sin, we'll break under the pressure. Instead, we need to stretch out of that position. We need to bend away from that behavior. You may be in a squat that is out of alignment. You need to stretch out of that. You need to change your behavior. There's grace for whatever's gone on in that position. But if you don't stretch, you're going to get fragile and not agile. You've got to go. Leave your life of sin. Leave that behind. If you want the immeasurably more for your life, you've got to stretch out of it. Sin makes us fragile. Sanctification makes us agile. The second thing is this. Agile churches thrive. Fragile ones won't survive. Agile churches thrive. Fragile ones won't survive. Maybe you've gone on the journey a little bit and you think, do you know what? I was in a mess. My life, I was really, I was caught up in sin or whatever. But I stretched out of that position. If you've gone to Pilates or yoga, that's not spiritual yoga. We don't do that, but it's okay to do the stretches. And maybe, you know, you've stretched out and you've gone into what is one of my favorite poses, the mountain pose. <laughs> that's it. That's literally it. Stand tall. <laughs> I don't really know how else to do that. Maybe you stretched, you've gone out of something that was bad for you, you've gone out of something that was bringing you out of alignment, and you stretched, you stood tall, you got comfortable in what God was calling you to, and maybe you got involved in church, and you're all doing good, but still, you may be in church, and you may not be doing something that's sinful, but if you don't continue to stretch, you're still going to get stagnant. You're still going to get fragile if you don't change. If you stand still for too long in whatever position you end up getting uncomfortable, we know that you can be uncomfortable in bed if you don't move. And so you have to continue and go on the journey that I'm going to keep stretching. I'm going to keep bending with the wind. I'm going to keep being flexible. I'm going to grow in my agility so that I don't get fragile. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. 
To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. He's really clarifying here. So to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. You may have come into church and you're in a position that you're comfortable with. Maybe you're doing the mountain pose. Maybe, I don't know, you got into the warrior pose and you're feeling comfortable in whatever you're at. But God may be calling you to do a lunge now. He may be calling you to do a karate chop. I don't know, to do a star. He may be calling you to something different because if we stay still, we will get fragile as a church. You know, the chapels, they were called the non-conformists. They were radical. They were bringing radical change. They were getting stretchy. They were being supple. They were doing whatever they could that they may win some. They were the non-conformists who stayed still and became the conformed establishment. And so they became fragile and are not surviving. It is the agile churches that thrive. Now, let me clarify. We do not need to change the message. The message doesn't need to morph to the culture. It doesn't need to bend. It doesn't need to change. The message is the message and is eternal. We don't need to change the gospel, but we must change the method. If we don't change how we present it, if we don't keep changing and keep bending and keep moving with what's going on in culture, we will end up being irrelevant. Josh and I always have these arguments because depending on who's driving the car, who's been, say, in my car last, you can tell who was there last because of the radio channel. If I've been in the car, Radio 1 is on. If Josh has been in the car, Classic FM is on. Yeah, he loves it. Now, I don't mind a bit of Classic FM when it's the nice piano pieces, but you know when you're going out on a nice family day out, you don't really want the dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, setting the tone for the day. I think sometimes you want something a bit more chilled, but all the same. But I always tell him, I said, Josh, you have to listen to Radio 1, and he's going, I don't like it. It's rubbish. It's not like the music of our day, <laughs> so he's ancient. It's not like the music we used to listen to growing up, like, five years ago. Um, it's, not, it's not like those days. It's, it's no good. I don't like it. I won't listen to Classic FM. I'm more cultured than you are. And I tell him, Josh, I'm like, you are a dinosaur. People in work already thought he was 40. Sometimes he turns up with his dad, and they're like, whoa, matching jumpers. Nice jumper, Dad. And then he's listening to Classic FM. I'm like, right, baby, you need to get a bit younger. <laughs> you don't need to grow up, you know, to immature a little bit. <laughs> but I tell him, Josh, it's part of my job. I have to listen to Radio 1. That's how I kind of try and win the argument. I have to. He says, why? Be cultured. Listen to Classic FM with me. So yeah, but I have to know what's current. It's important that I know what's in the charts because I need to know what's relevant, what, what the majority of people out there are listening to. Now, whether you like it or not, we must appeal to those who are not yet saved. I will do whatever it takes that I might win some. I want to say some and so I'll suck up what I don't like. One day I fully expect, I hope not, but I fully expect that there will be some worship and some things that church does that I won't like and I'll be like, it's not like the, the glory Hillsong United songs, is it? 
It's not like good grace. It's not like that. And some of you here are thinking, I really don't like that song. I don't like it when we sing that song. And I'm thinking, I love that song. And one day, I'll be going, oh, what's these new young whippersnappers singing? I don't like what they're singing. Sing the old classic hill song. Because we all naturally, we, you know, sort of nostalgia kicks in and whatever, we get comfortable. But as the church, we need to be supple. We need to be supple. We need to remain agile because agile churches thrive. Fragile ones don't survive. If you stay the same, if we as a church refuse to change, we'll end up a dinosaur ourselves. We'll end up appealing to the ones that are within the house and not doing whatever it takes to win those that are outside its walls. We must be a church who are agile, who are willing to change. If you don't stretch, you're gonna get fragile and not agile. And thirdly, agile systems bring the more. Fragile systems have got to go. Agile systems bring the more. Fragile systems have got to go. This message is ex extremely practical, and I think it will really help some people here. I actually started this message. I spoke it to some of the, the creatives in our rehearsal on a Wednesday night, and I had really good feedback because it is so practical and it helps us. Ephesians 3, 10, 20 again. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more. And we're thinking, maybe some of us are thinking, you know, yeah, great, more, I want more. But for a lot of us, probably we're thinking, more, God? There's more? Does that more come with more hours in the day? <laughs> Does that more come with more money in my bank? Does that more come with more energy in my body? I don't know how I'm going to handle the more because I already feel pretty stretched to the hilt. I'm already doing the running man or the running woman all about town, just trying to keep on top of everything that I'm currently doing. Richard Branson said this. He frequently, when it comes to hiring his staff, he chooses to hire the lazy people over the hardworking ones every time. And you think, well, that seems like a bad strategy. I mean, he is a very successful man, but that seems like an unwise strategy. But the reason he gave was, the lazy people will always find the easiest way to do something. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? It's true. I've always had this attitude, which I learned from my dad, minimal effort for maximum gain. Now, some of you are thinking that you're judging us right now because that sounds unholy. That sounds bad. You should be working really hard. But why would you do maximum effort for the same amount of gain? It makes no sense. Minimum effort for maximum gain. It's not about working harder. It's about working smarter. Now, for some of us here, what you need to hear is, yeah, you need to work harder. Thomas Edison said this, that opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. And so for some of you, what you need to know is, I need to work the harder. But for many of us here who are already busy, you need to work smarter. You need to work smarter. Maybe for you, the lunge, the side lunge was working for you. That was a good position. You were able to handle what God was calling you to. That, was, that brought success to your life. But life is changing, and God is calling you to the immeasurably more. And that system can no longer support what God is now calling you to. When I was six, I had a way of running my life. I had things I needed to do. I had some homework. 
I had to play with my friends. I had to maybe, I don't know, feed the dog, maybe had a job or two. You know, mainly my day was go to school, hang out, sleep, it's great. I had a, I had a system that supported my six-year-old self. And then I became 16. I could no longer do what I was doing at six, because now I had more responsibilities. I had GCSEs to revise for, had male friends in my life, had to accommodate. I had a friendship circle, I was going out, I was trying to handle money. All of a sudden, what I was doing at 16, I couldn't handle it. The system I had at six couldn't handle what I was doing at 16. And now at 26, what I was doing at 16 wouldn't work for me at 26. Because now I'm married, I have a child to look after, I have a mortgage to pay, I have a job that I work in. Now what I do at 26 is very different to what it looked like at 16. And if I was trying to run my life the same way as 16-year-old me, I would not be able to do what 26-year-old me is doing. Now future 36-year-old me, 46-year-old me, 56-year-old me, all the way, the system's gonna have to change because God has gotten immeasurably more for my future. And what I'm doing in the here and now is not gonna support what God has got for me in the future. Now, God doesn't want us to be burnt out. He doesn't want us to be good for nothing. He doesn't want us to be fragile. He's calling us to be agile. You need to grow into what God is calling you to. You need to change your structure. You need to change your system. You need to stretch again. The wind is coming. You need to learn how to bend once more so that you don't break under the pressure. God is saying, I want you to stretch so that you can get agile and not fragile because there is an immeasurably more that I have got for your future. There's an immeasurably more. And so we have to change. I love this passage in Exodus 18. I think it's hilarious. Moses is a big deal. And Jethro, his father-in-law, has come to see what he's done. Now, you can imagine he wants to, you know, look good to his father-in-law. He wants to be like, this is what I've done. This look at my great accomplishments. You can kind of imagine the scene, verse 9. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. Good stuff. He's got some big points with his father-in-law. Uh, you know, don't want to brag, but, you know, I parted the Red Sea. I liberated hundreds of thousands of people from slavery. I think I'm a pretty big deal. And so he says, he's saying all the good stuff. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw that all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what an incredible man you are. How hardworking you are. What a great work ethic you have, Moses, my dearest son. No, that's not what he says. He says, he comes, he says, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. He thinks, do you know what? I'm a good leader. I'm diligent with my flock. I spend a lot of time all day listening to what they have to say. But Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. He doesn't, pack, he doesn't pull back his punches. What you are doing is not good, Moses. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. What you're doing is not good. I wonder if you looked at your own life and you're thinking, well, I'm working really hard. I'm being really diligent. I'm doing my best. I wonder if a Jethro came and looked at your life. Is there anything that he would say, what are you doing? It's not good. 
I'm not doubting your heart. I'm not questioning your intentions, but your system needs to change. Your structure needs to change. And so then Jethro goes to unpack, you should have leaders over this amount of people and leaders over them. And he puts a structure of leadership in place that Moses follows through on and makes his leadership possible and successful so that he's not burning himself out. Is there a structure in your life that is just not working for you? It used to, but it's not anymore. You know, I used to always have my devotional time at breakfast. It's how I started my day. Every day I'd have breakfast, I'd read the word, I'd put worship on, I'd pray, and it would set me up for a win for the day. That does not work for me anymore. Now I have Avery screaming for breakfast. He needs his porridge or all hell is going to break loose. And so I, can't, I can no longer have a quiet time of contemplation in the sunlit morning and read the word when I've got ah! going on in the background. And so my system has to change. My structure has to change. Rach was telling me that she was struggling to fit it in. And so what she started to do was go into the car 10 minutes before picking up the kids from school run. So she had 10 minutes of peace, locking the doors in the car to read the word and pray. You've got to adapt, church. You've got to change your structure. If what you're doing is not working for you, if you are consistently poor at spending time in God's word, your structure isn't working. If you're consistently poor at spending time Time with your spouse, I'll take it further, at making love to your spouse. Your system isn't working. John and Lisa Bavia, I remember reading this. We were reading a book before we got married, and they said in their book that they got to a period in their lives where they were so busy, they had, so, they had kids, they had work, they had all these obligations, that they weren't finding any time to make love. Some of you feel very uncomfortable right now, but roll with me, it's important. They couldn't find any time. They, you know, it's like you go to bed, and they were just shattered, and the opportunity was missed. It used to work at bedtime, but now it wasn't working. And so they decided to schedule it in their diaries that on their lunch break, so many days a week, they were going to come home for a quickie and get back to work. <laughs> now, it sounds like a silly solution. It's like, really, that seems extreme. But if you are consistently weak in this area, you need to change your structure. You need to change your system. You need to adapt the way that you do things. If you are really struggling in your business, you're thinking, do you know what? This position used to work for me. This used to work. I was successful in this. But all of a sudden, the goalposts have been moved. Now I've got staff to take care of. Now I've got different campuses. Now I've got different place to spend, and I'm struggling. Well, the system that carried you at the birth of your business ain't going to carry you to what God is calling you to. You need to adapt the system and the structure. Maybe your budget. It used to work the way that you spent your money. But now that you've got more finances or different expenditures, you need to adapt the way that your budgets work. Maybe you were fine eating chocolate in the morning, but now your metabolism's changed and you've got to change your diet. Your system has got to work. You've got to stretch out of that position that is making you fragile. You've got to change. Because the truth is, as a Christian, it is not an option to not talk to God ever. As a Christian in a married relationship, it's not an option to never make love. As a business person, it's not an option to just be so burnt out that you're good for nothing and have nothing left to give your family. You can look at this in whatever area, but God is calling us to the immeasurably more. And that doesn't come with more hours. And so we need to get more savvy. We need to get more supple. We need to get more agile and stretch once more for what God is calling us to. And the keys can come up as I draw to a close. God is calling us to the immeasurably more. But if you want it, you've got to recognize 
Well, sin will make me fragile. It is sanctification. Becoming more like Christ is what will make me agile. You've got to recognize as a church that actually it's only the agile churches that thrive. If we stay the same and will not change, we will get fragile and we won't survive. And if you want the immeasurably more in a very practical level, you want to be able to handle what God has got for future you, then you've got to know that agile systems bring the more. The fragile systems that used to work for you, they've got to go. You've got to change. Do you know God made us creative? He gave us a brain to use. And maybe you need to sit down and get some creative planning going on. This is a weak area in my life. How can I strategize and change this system so that I am ready for the more that God has got for me? How can I change this? How can I become supple like those trees so that I don't break under the pressure of the more that I am hungry for? Hey, I want to live as full a life as I possibly can. But if, I, if I'm serious about wanting the more, I've got to be diligent with the little that I've got faithful with the little that God would entrust me with them all. Hey, imagine church, if we all really got supple, we committed to the agile, we committed to stretch so that we don't get fragile and instead we get agile. Imagine if we went on this journey and we knew when to kneel. We knew when this position was called for and we knew when to stand. Imagine we knew when to pray, and we knew when to praise. Imagine we knew when the time was called to sit, to rest, to contemplate, to meditate. And we knew when the time came to power walk or to run, to go for all that God has got for us. Imagine that we were wise in what God has given us. We stretched out of our sin. We kept stretching as a church, changing to the demands of the culture, not in the message, but in the method that we might save some. And if we knew that in our personal lives and in whatever God has entrusted us with, whether that's your marriage, your children, your business, your PhD, your whatever it is, the job that you're in, the friendship circles that you've got, the volunteering you do, whatever that is, if we said, you know, with those things that God has entrusted me with, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to recognize when it is no longer working. And I'm going to stretch. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to get agile once more. I'm going to be supple so that my system will bring the more. The fragile system is going to go. It's going to go. I've got, for all of us as we leave, a very practical application. I've got a sheet of paper that the host team are going to give out for you. Because this word is so practical, I think it really needs a practical, down-to-earth application. And if you are serious about wanting the immeasurably more that God has got for your life, I want you to take it, and I want you to write down on it. And it just says these points briefly. And it just says, firstly, what one sin makes me fragile? Hey, we are all on this journey to sanctification. I hate to break it to you, but you're still sinful. <laughs> you're on the journey. And so maybe you need to write down, do you know what, what one sin makes me fragile? Maybe, maybe I struggle with my anger. Maybe I'm struggling with unforgiveness. Maybe I'm struggling with impurity. Maybe I'm struggling with lustful thoughts. Maybe I'm struggling with gluttony. Whatever it is, write down, this one sin makes me fragile. I need to stretch out of that. I need to stretch out of that and get agile. And then secondly, what one area of church do I need to get agile in? 
The fact that you're here tells me that you're game for change. You're game for going on the journey, that you're prepared to do whatever it takes to win some. But maybe there are still areas of church that get under your skin. Maybe you don't like the worship. Maybe you've got a problem with the offering slot. Maybe you don't like the photography or whatever it is. Maybe you need to write down, do you know what? I recognize that this is an area of church that is relevant for the culture that we're in. And I've got an issue with it, but do you know what? I'm going to trust and I'm going to trust God with this and I'm going to trust the leadership of the church and I'm going to get agile in this area. And hey, maybe you've got some suggestions. They are so welcome. We've all got blind spots. Maybe you can see, do you know what? I think that ministry is getting a bit fragile. It could do with a new breath of creativity. Maybe you've got some ideas. Hey, write them down, bring them forward. But write down what area of church do I need to get agile in? And thirdly, what one system needs to change? The way you diarize your week, the way you budget, your love life, your devotionals. I need to change this. Write it down. Make yourself accountable to yourself and pray over it. Pray over it. Make a commitment. Because if you don't stretch, you're going to get fragile and not agile. And you won't be able to handle the immeasurably more that God has got for you, for your future, for this church, for your family, for what he wants to do in this town and beyond. So would you stand with me, church? Is it helpful? Helpful to have some practical pointers? I think so. I know we've got a team who are feeling stretched and burnt out. I would add, if you are a leader in this place or you lead in any capacity, the question we often ask our team is, who is your Timothy? Who are you training up? Paul had an incredibly expansive calling, and so he had to be diligent with raising up leaders. You know, it's easier in the short term to say, I'll do it myself, because it's quicker. I said to the team, it's easier to say, you know, I'll input the lyrics myself, I'll mix the sound myself, I'll, I'll play the part myself, I'll share the team talk myself. It's easier in the short term, but in the long term, if you don't invest into people, there will be nobody to replace you and you will be doing that thing forever. And so 